From the little cave on the tiny island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Hey, welcome everyone. God bless you for tuning into the Winds of Change. It's Wednesday. If you're listening live, Father Tom Coy's here. We'll try to wrinkle your brain once again. My brain gets wrinkled all the time. So you got to share my, my wrinkled brainness. And within, uh, within uh, time, we, God, God smooths us out, right? <laughs> Keeps that uh, pathway um, more clear, as it were. A lot, of, a lot of confusion, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of, a lot of stuff to kick around. Okay, today's topic comes from um, <laughs> got my, okay, today's topic comes from um, a couple of things that have happened to me in the last couple weeks and a meditation on um, uh, what we've been talking about before as well. Um, that is, someone came to me, and asked me my opinion about a, pro a program that was being used in a parish called uh, Discernment of the Spirit. And uh, they gave me a handout that was handed out, and they wondered what my thoughts were. So I'm going to share some of my thoughts, because it's a good, it's a good topic, Discernment of the Spirit. Uh, we all should want to plug into, we all need to find the Holy Spirit, you know, we, and um, so the topic itself is intriguing, and, and in general, I'm all for it. However, <laughs> the handout that the person gave to me um, raised a number of questions, prim well, primarily one special question, and that is... Uh, the role of the church in our spiritual life. <laughs> because this handout seemed to ignore that question, even though there's a s section on it by that title. But, and, and so um, the, the, the reason I think this is an important topic, because I don't know if this isn't a popular program going around, but the person who gave it to me said that at their parish there were like 100 people or so that signed up. They were going to form uh, small groups, and there was such a yearning for help, I, I guess you could say, in this matter, discerning the Spirit, that hundreds of people signed up and formed uh, dozens of little groups. So, uh, not sure if you're aware of that or not, but it, it's a little different twist than, um, you know, forming little prayer groups. I'm it's, it's interesting to me that um, maybe more people would sign up for a small group that was trying to discern the Spirit versus a small group that was going to study the Bible or a small group that was going to study the Catechism or a small group that was going to uh, sing praise and, and um, uh, other, other such religious activities, right? Anyways, but so... It surprised me that so many people signed up for it. It was making me wonder, well, um, there is, must be a great yearning for discerning of the spirits. So uh, let me get right, right at the beginning. There's a, um, 
little definition. And it says, spiritual discernment is calling on the Holy Spirit to lead or give direction on a matter. Now, my philosophical mind makes me raise a question right off the bat. Whenever you're trying to give a definition, you don't, you don't use the word that you're trying to define in the definition. And that's kind of what this does, and it's, it's often very difficult to avoid. So spiritual discernment is the calling on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, so what other kind of discernment would there be? Um, are you saying spiritual discernment is different than career discernment? Are you saying spiritual discernment is different than than uh, picking your marriage partner discernment? Or spiritual discernment is different than so many other things. Um, so let me let me go through some of this and uh, uh, give some comments. And I I hope and I I what what I what I want to lead to is I want to use G.K. Chesterton as um, my my solver of the problem, as it were. What is the problem? The, the problem is uh, that that um, in the various in the various um, hints and points, there's um, there's uh, one one section called um, "When the Spirit is on the Move, it is characterized by." There's another section called Scripture and Discernment. There's another section called Discerning Within Yourself. Not sure where else you would discern, but Ways to Discern, the Church's Role in Discernment, and Other Discernment Hints. So um, uh, let, me get to, let me get to some of these. In the dis um, what, is, what is discernment characterized by? And I like there's a few wonderful things that we can definitely keep in mind. Um, however, got to raise a flag because I, I, I don't know who's the author of this. I don't know exactly know what organization or if it's person or an edited, uh, if it's a community project, and they put together these um, notes. And um, uh, here, here's the other reason why I wanted to mention this to all you. Wonderful listeners, um, <laughs> I was at our, one of our meetings with a bunch of priests and our, our bishop, um, which is what priests often do, you know, the upper middle management, I guess you can call meetings. And uh, we were talking about evangelization. We were talking about how to get more people back in the pews, etc. And I made the comment that one thing we, we have to be aware of as a temptation that we can't just look to the Protestant churches, especially those mega churches, those mega Protestant churches, and and sort of envy them and imitate them without a, a real uh, a real augmentation or a real transformation. Use that word of the strategies and and uh, aspects of it. Uh, I I can't help but admire some of those big denominational churches. Um, they have their Starbucks coffee in their foyers. Wow. Yeah, they don't have Starbucks, but they'll have some kind of coffee thing. You just ring yeah. my brain, man. <laughs> they'll have a wonderful gym. They'll have. Um, it's like joining a health club when you join a big mega church. Um, they have uh, an army of different kind of ministries. There's there's um, libraries to sit in, in a comfortable chair and spend some time reading. Uh, so there's a lot of nice things that we can borrow from, follow. Um, but uh, here's here's where. It gets a little sticky. So I mentioned, I mentioned that I'm a little worried that in our Catholic attempts to evangelize our people, Catholic or otherwise, we may be following the mistaken spirituality of Protestantism, which is Bible alone, sola scriptura. Um, 
And uh, for that comment, <laughs> one of my other priest brothers, um, and a good man, wonderful guy, he said, oh, I, I said that I think some of our modern catechetical efforts and our CCD books or books used in Catholic schools may be um, influenced by that Protestant sola scriptura theory at the expense of an appreciation of doctrine, appreciation of uh, study of morals. And uh, my, one of the other priests says, oh, I don't think we're at all overemphasizing the Bible. I said, no, that's not my point. Or not, it's not that we, we, in one sense, you can never overemphasize the Bible if it's done with the Catholic uh, lenses, reading the Bible with Catholic faith, finding finding issues of of Catholic truth, especially regard to the Church, especially regard to that 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 phrase faith and morals, uh, what what doctrines are to be considered true doctrines and what teachings are to be considered heretical. Um, so uh, this my 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 warning was not to say that we shouldn't read the Bible. But my warning is that our evangelical efforts um, may be lacking in its uh, uh, efforts to teach truths that are found in catechism books or lives of saints. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no yeah, Will yeah, Robinson. Danger. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will Roger. Um, or 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 conclusions about right and wrong. That we we come to through through rational discourse, ra rational thinking, not necessarily found directly in the Bible. So, um, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to try to um, discuss a little bit further with my wonderful priest friend um, uh, what I meant. Maybe I wasn't as clear. And um, have to. It's always it's always difficult to be to be absolutely clear when you're when you're trying to tackle uh, a very sticky point, shall we say, right? And the sticky point that I'm trying to talk about is some of the errors in our modern Catholic evangelization. There, there. To me, there. It's easy to f see them when when you appreciate or you. You understand some of the errors of the Protestant Reformation and what 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 happened then to hurt the body the body of Christ the Church um, and it's still happening today. Okay, so back to the little handout in the section about discerning the Spirit called uh, "When the Spirit is on the Move." It's characterized by and it says a Christ-centered spirituality in every aspect of life. So. When you're trying to say, Lord, God, what do you want of me? You, you become more Christ-centered. Nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing. In other words, um, uh, if you're trying to discern the Spirit, what do you want of me, Lord? What are you asking of me? And it's saying, I want you to give up Christ, um, become a Muslim or an atheist or Jewish, um, that, would, that would be a good uh, indication that it's not guided by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, but here's here's one. Um, here's what they say, and here's what I'm going to raise a red flag about. It says, um, the Spirit is on the move when it's characterized by your rejection of all prejudice, class, ethnic, educational barriers, exclusiveness, and denominational warfare. Now, of course, um, if you mean by prejudice your racism, you know, you, you are a white superior, um, superior um, uh, advocate or you're a black superior advocate. If you're, if you're 
look down on poor people always because they're poor and you never see greater virtues in poor people. If you're if you have prejudice for your ethnic heritage, that it is that it is um uh far superior than other ethnic groups, educational barriers, somebody who's more well educated. Okay, all that all that is those are good things we we do need to move above and beyond that. Wow. But yeah. you just wrinkle my brain, man. That that does wrinkle my brain too. <laughs> but here what where the red flag comes in is it says uh, you you know you're you're following the Spirit, you're, you're doing good discernment of the Holy Spirit when you reject denominational warfare. That I that should ra raise a red flag with us because um, the word warfare, of course, depicts guns and planes and planes and bombs and all the rest and killing people, um, and it it conjures up in people's minds. The, the common criticism of religion in general that all wars are religion or religion is the source of all wars so get rid of religion and you'll get rid of wars but to say that you are following the Holy Spirit um, when you reject denominational warfare you, you are you are vast approaching the um, the uh, Masonic ideal of uh, let's get rid of all denominations, let's get rid of um, uh, especially the one church or the one denomination that thinks it's the superior one, i.e. the Catholic Church. Um, so denominational warfare is to be rejected. So but how do you discern what is the best religion for you to belong to if you are to reject denominational warfare, um, denominational uh, uh, investigation, as it were. So if you take away the word warfare and, and put it denominational uh, investigation or study, you get something much different. But here, again, this is... Um, I, I gotta believe that this program is, um, is uh, produced by a Protestant minister more than a Catholic saint, shall we say. A number of the quotes that are used are, are Protestant theologians. Like one of the first ones, there's a guy by the name of J. Rochelle. He's a modern Lutheran theologian. He first was at, uh, in Pennsylvania and then he uh, he just died not long ago from the University of Chicago. And um, he says, The mystery of Pentecost is that the gift of discernment is breathed into the world, enabling us to see the presence of the divine in the midst of the human, not as an aside or an afterthought, but as the main event of our lives. Sometimes when you read something and you say, okay, what's that mean? <laughs> it sounds, sounds really deep, right? <laughs> but it, um, yes, yes, it is true. Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit for each and every one of us, as it were. Um, but that the Pentecost is the gift of, is where the Spirit is breathed into the world. Uh, does that mean everyone in the world then received the breath of the Holy Spirit? What, what Jay Rossell here, the, the Lutheran gift. minister, yeah, the, there must be a gift there somewhere. He, it's obviously he wouldn't he wouldn't use the catechetical device that most of us who have had good Catholic catechism uh, uh, drilled into our hearts and our minds is that the Pentecost is the birthday of the Church. So uh, he's in a subtle way, saying Pentecost isn't about the church, it's it's about us learning the church or learning what God wants of us or so. Especially or uh, especially when what we want goes against with what the church 
says. That's, that's a key aspect here. Anyways, I think we got to take our first break, right, Nick? Um, we'll take a break. I'll try to analyze a little bit more of this um, here program. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll be right back. I'm Father Tom Coys. You are, I'm a guest host on the Winds of Change. You are listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland. We're on 88.5 FM and uh, WNDZ 750 AM. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic, social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org, ststanschicago.org. I'm Father Tom Coys, Winds of Change guest host, and you are listening to the Winds of Change. Sometimes it's tough to hear winds of change over the air. What with tall buildings, power lines, and other static. Now you can hear winds of change anywhere, anytime, or on any device. When Winds of Change is on the air Monday through Friday, noon to one, go to ststandschurch.org. Scroll down to the Winds of Change tile and click on the Listen Live button or visit Winds of Change Facebook page to see the Listen Live link. Hey, welcome back, everyone. God bless you for tuning in. I'm uh, doing a little analysis with a program that I think is gaining popularity within our Catholic parishes, but which I'm raising a couple of flags for those who may be participating in. I don't exactly know what it's called, but um, it's discernment, discernment of the Holy Spirit. You know, actually, b- before I get back to that, I can't help, just today, or was it yesterday? Well, yesterday, um, the good uh, Joe Biden um, gave his um, uh, State, of the, State of the Union address to the joint um, Congress of the House and Senate and all the rest of the gang. And so um, one of the things that just really hurt, I I can't help but I hope you, if you did hear it, if you took the time to listen, um, one of the things that really hurt was his passion and his insistence that we have to fight the, um, the, the Dobbs decision, the consequences of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade. And he says, we're going to, we're going to push to make it uh, federal law. We got to codify it. You know, I don't think he used that phrase last night, but he's used it before. And here's an example. Uh, well, one of them's from Illinois and one of them's from Texas. Uh, uh, from Texas, uh, I think it was just yesterday, Texas filed to block the Biden administration using the uh, federal health guidance that allegedly forces pharmacies to dispense abortion-inducing drugs. The Biden administration back in July, last July, released guidance requiring pharmacies to supply women with abortion-inducing drugs or risk losing Medicaid and Medicare funds, even if state laws prohibit the procedure. So that's how he's going to, that's how they're going to fight those states that want to um, uh, uh, make their state a pro-life state. Let's say it like that. Um, This is a very interesting response. Texas argues in the lawsuit, which refers to the guidance collectively as the pharmacy mandate that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, has attempted to impose via executive fiat a federal right to abortion. So in other words, Texas is saying, well, we don't have a right to an abortion in our state. So mandating pharmacies to distribute abortion-inducing drugs um, doesn't... um, doesn't fit with our state laws. And uh, Biden, of course, is trying to get around that by 
by just um, issuing an executive order um, saying, well, you'll lose your, your um, federal money if you don't. So the lawsuit said that, said, said this was a part of the Biden administration's war against the Dobbs decision. That ruling reversed uh, the 73 ruling, of course. But whether the Biden administration likes it or not, the question of abortion is up to the people's elected representatives, not unelected bureaucrats. The Biden, Biden administration's attempt to inject itself into that question is both procedurally and substantively illegal. So um, uh, similar things are happening here in Illinois, of course. Now, let's... Let's keep that kind of question in mind as we go back to this program, which is designed to help people discern the spirit. And of course, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that you are perfectly open to following a lot of different courses in life when you're trying to discern the spirit. Like I said at the outset, you know, are you trying to discern whether to marry this person or not, to to uh, go into this career or not, to pick this college or that, um, to um, uh, to uh, to go to the mountains or the ocean for vacation. There's all sorts of decisions that you make that you you can and you should pray about. You know, asking the good Lord what what is best, and those are very challenging. And the the church hasn't, um, and priests will very rarely tell somebody you you should go to Colorado for your vacation, not not uh, the beach, or you should go. Well, sometimes we're starting to say you should go to this college and not that college because some of the colleges are a lot more faithful to Catholic teaching than others. Um, by the way, last week when I was away, I probably had a rerun here on Winds of Change, but I was down in Florida and I got to see um, Ave Maria University. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's a huge little city or a big town with a, with a big, beautiful Catholic church right in the center of the town, which uh, made me smile because I'm always aware. I like traveling about our great land of ours. And when you go to many little towns... Take notice, my friends, almost every little town in the United States has a square. And on the square, you will almost always find uh, a town hall and uh, a court building, perhaps, with it, and a Protestant church. But you will rarely, rarely, I have not found any little town in the United States in all my travels where a Catholic church was on the town square. And that's because so many of the little towns were established and when, when, when Protestant ideology was, was more ruling the day and they wanted to have a church at the center of their town, but they didn't want a Catholic church at the center of the town. So almost every little town that has a square, you'll find the Catholic church a few blocks off the square. That's just a little... Sign. But down in Ave Maria University, the Catholic Church was front and center. Not only it not only was on a square, was the, the center of the town was, was like a circle, and the and the church was in the middle of the circle. <laughs> Very beautiful. And uh, went to a daily mass there, a noon mass. Um, there were like two hundred people there. Beautiful. Anyway, something to consider. Uh, so so. I will sometimes suggest if somebody's discerning which college to go to, I will definitely try to encourage them not to go to a college that's too secular or even a religious, a Catholic college that is known for too much of its um, watered-down faith. Go to a stronger oh, Catholic one, right? You that's just a, wrinkle my brain, man. That That is brain-wrinkling. <laughs> so... So here we are as we go back to this um, little handout about how to discern the spirit. Um, they say, I don't know who they are or he or she is, but it says, these are the main things to look for in discerning about something. Is it governed by love? For if it is not, it's worthless. 
like we read in 1 Corinthians 13, um, God is love and he who abides in love, right? Um, it's obviously love is the center of our faith. It's the definition of God, right? And so um, uh, there's a certain beauty to that. However, ding, 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 warning. <laughs> it's, it's the um, today, if you say, is it governed by love? And someone is discerning Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. No, Will Robinson. Yeah, well, Danger. Will Robinson again. <laughs> um, obviously, we are living in an age when the very word love and its opposite, um, well, you could say hate or apathy, but you all know what hate has no place here means. Hate has no place here. You sometimes see that sign, or sometimes people will say that. And that's that's um, that's what what that means is is that only love abides here because we believe in gay marriage. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So um, we have to be aware that these little indications about discernment are are trickier, shall we say? And again, if you 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 can't you can't study the spirit without studying ecclesiology. That, that may be the main point to take away from today's show. You can't, if you're going to discern the Spirit, you can't, you can't ignore ecclesiology. What's ecclesiology? It's the study of the ecclesiae. It's the study of the church. What is the church? Um, what's the right understanding of the church? What's the wrong understanding of the church, right? So um, here again it says, um, things to look out when you're discerning. It directs us to Scripture, not away from it. Okay, well, certainly if you're going to pick up your Bible and read some more in order to find whether you want to go to uh, uh, DePaul University or Ave Maria, good for you. But um, what's a little missing in this handout here is it should direct us to, this, to the sacraments as well. If you are saying, do I... Am I discerning to leave the Catholic Church and go to a Methodist or a Lutheran church? Um, you can you can certainly say, and many people have said, oh, at that Lutheran church over there, they have better Bible studies, and the minister preaches from the Bible much more than my Catholic priest did. So um, if you're going to follow these little directives from the this handout... Um, you can easily say, oh, yes, I'm the, the true Holy Spirit is discerning me away from Catholicism because it's bringing me closer to the Scripture. Um, and uh, it has nothing to do with leading me away from the sacraments. See what I'm saying here, my friends? <laughs> See, this is, a, again, a very popular, um, very popular uh, program, I, I'm assuming, because it was had so many people sign up for it. Uh, wow. And remember how I started... You just wrinkled my brain, man. Yeah. Um, how I started by um, sharing that little debate I had with a priest friend um, where I was I was um, saying a, a problem I see in our evangelization efforts today is that we're, we're borrowing, we're following, we're admiring the Protestant Sola Scriptura mystique, uh, strategy, um, whatever you want to call it, methodology, at the expense of de-emphasizing and don't worry about doctrines, uh, don't worry about morals even. Uh, a lot of moral teachings that we hold on to as Catholics are very difficult to find in the scriptures. Now, a very skilled scripture scholar who has the mind and the heart of Catholicism, like Scott Hahn, can find how, how the Bible teaches us to avoid artificial contraception, for instance. Um, but most don't see that at all. Most Bible ministers are very, very, very steeped in scripture, and yet they completely accept... Uh, Artificial contraception as as a responsible thing to do in a in a relationship, and so that um, that 
the, the neglect of rigorous moral thinking uh, is is part of our handicap of evangelizing our people today. That's what I was trying to share with my brother priest, but I didn't seem to express it well enough, as it were. And this reminds me, um, remember a couple of weeks ago, if you're a, a faithful listener of The Winds of Change, I was talking about the letter that Pope Benedict wrote um, soon after he resigned, and one of in the beginning of Francis's pontificate, when Francis called on all the heads of the uh, diocese throughout the world for a synod to to discuss the sex abuse problem, right? And Pope Benedict wrote that letter. Um, here, let me let me share one more time because this 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 is this is what I was referring to with my priest friend trying to. Um, Say that we're, our evangelization efforts are a little too eschewed in a Protestant direction. Uh, because this way, remember, uh, Pope Benedict said this, and then we'll take a, a break, right? We're moving along here so fast. Benedict um, said, I shall never forget how then, this is back in the 1980s, I think, um, I shall never forget how then-leading German moral theologian Franz Bockel, uh, who, having returned to his native Switzerland after his retirement, announced, in view of the possible decisions of the encyclical Veritatis Splendor of John Paul II, that if this encyclical should determine that there were serious actions which were always and under all circumstances to be classified as evil, I would challenge it with all the resources at my disposal. That's um, that's uh, Pope Benedict reflecting on. A little bit before that, he remembers this, and this directly affects um, what I was trying to say. That our there's a we're handicapped in our evangelization efforts when we abandon a, a more rigorous study of doctrine what are and what are not heresies, and when we abandon a, a more rigorous study of moral issues like abortion, same-sex marriage, artificial contraception, these kinds of things. Because here, here again, um, this is what Pope Benedict remembers very clearly, and he says it in this letter, trying to help us grapple with um, the issues of the day. He says, I still remember how the Jesuit faculty in Frankfurt trained a highly gifted young priest, Father Bruno Schuler, with the purpose of developing a morality based entirely on Scripture. Father Schuler's beautiful dissertation shows a first step towards building a morally based Scripture, based on uh, uh, building a morality based solely on Scripture. Father Schuler was then sent to America to further studies and came back with the realization that from the Bible alone, morality could not be expressed systematically. He then attempted a more pragmatic moral theology without being able to provide an answer to the crises of morality. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and analyze this. and um, uh, I want to bring in uh, Chesterton. Uh, as a bit of a to bring in Chesterton to the rescue, because what what is what I'm feeling is a problem in this uh, parish-based program can only be solved by the great common sense of the great G.K. Chesterton. So stay tuned. Um, I'm Father Tom Coyce. You are listening to the Winds of Change. I'm uh, a guest host on the Winds of Change. We are on eighty-eight point five. FM uh, and 750 AM WNDZ. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule, work, or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the sacred liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance, 
to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy, St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. We are the students of St. Stan's Koska Academy, and you're listening to the Winds of Change. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night, for your safety. We ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available, and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church. And a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststanschurch.org. That's ststanschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I have to apologize. I, I blew that going out into that um, that commercial. I I have a little sheet of paper. I got to apologize, especially to Armand, if you're listening, our wonderful producer. And um, I just couldn't find that little piece of paper. I don't know if that d- makes me deserve the punishment room, Nick. Do you that I botched up the going out um, because I was supposed to say I'm Father Tom Coy's guest host on The Winds Change and you were listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland WSFI Catholic Radio on AM 750 WNDZ 88.5 FM I don't feel better I felt bad that I okay but here we are um, here's another quote from the handout trying to help Catholic parishioners discover the true movements of the Spirit in their hearts. Um, this, whole, this whole topic could sort of be captured in relating a little story I heard about Cardinal George meeting with a priest um, who was thinking of leaving the priesthood. And, uh, you know, he, he met with the Cardinal, and Cardinals, of course, sort of dis- sad and disappointed and the priest said that um well the holy spirit is is a uh, moving me to move out of the priesthood i'm i'm discerning that i'm god wants me to leave the priesthood and cardinal george simply responded he says you think so you know you're putting your soul at risk could be um, eternally damned for this decision <laughs> You know that that is uh, definitely not following the the principles of these this handout on this parish program about finding the the discernment of the spirit. Um, how did why why would Cardinal George say something so cruel and so vicious to a guy? He was perhaps um, maybe trying to be as as loving as possible. Hey, you think you're being called out of the priesthood? Think again. Don't. <laughs> we, God, God didn't didn't call you for nothing, and maybe you're going through a hard time. But um, go on a retreat, do uh, do um, some penance, um, figure out um, how to revitalize your priesthood, etc. Those kinds of things, right? So, but here's another. Um, here's here's where the Protestantism is strongest in this handout about discerning the Spirit. It says, uh, Christians turn to the Bible in order to get our story right. The New Testament passes along the testimony of those who knew Jesus and his mission in person. Now, here's an interesting phrase. For the early church and the apostles, for the reformers and for us today, believers turn to Scripture because they know the Spirit speaks there. i got to raise a red flag there because... Of course, the scriptures of the, they even point out, the early church after the apostles, they didn't have the Bible, my friends. They, they barely had the Old Testament. Some of them, of course, had access to the Old Testament. And, of course, Jewish scholars had the Old Testament, 
the first testament, you might want to say. Um, so this this um, this paragraph here just really reeks of Protestant spirituality. He goes on, they go on. It is scripture that shows us the Spirit's priorities and scripture which shares with us the vision of the coming kingdom. The Spirit operates through scripture, not against it. Through the Bible, you can discover wisdom and direction. And of course, I don't want to argue against that. That's very true that the, the Bible can, can teach us a lot. It can give you so much wisdom, so much direction. Um, but again, without a proper understanding of ecclesiology, without a proper bringing in reason to the to the to the discussion to the process you're, to get to moral issues you like like what that father bruno schuler the french priest who was given the assignment of creating a a, a morality based solely on the bible he couldn't do it <laughs> um here's what pope benedict says um a little bit after what I read before. In the end, it was chiefly the hypothesis that morality was to be exclusively determined by the purposes of human action that prevailed. So in other words, Benedict is saying, in the end, morality gets many much of its rightness from a right understanding of the teleology, the purpose of actions, the purpose and the end of life. He goes on, while the old phrase, the end justifies the means, was not confirmed in this crude form, its way of thinking had become definitive. Consequently, there could no longer be anything that constituted an absolute good any more, any more than anything fundamentally evil. There could only be Relative value judgments. There, there no longer was the absolute good, but only the relatively better <laughs> contingent on the moment and on circumstances. That certainly seems to be the way most morality is based today. Think of Joe Biden um, trying to um, be the, the, uh, the hero of abortion rights by by saying i don't care if if some states are are going pro life um we believe that uh the right to an abortion is, is such a human right that a, a state that isn't going to accept that is going to be punished by the federal government right you pharmacies that won't um sell the abortion pills and I think a great I don't know if it's the majority but the amount of abortions that are done through pills um, that you get at the pharmacy or what have you um, you go home and um, the baby comes out um, later or so um, that's the, the number of those kind of abortions is, is, is greatly greatly increasing these days it's more convenient they, they will say of course and um so anyways, imagine that and, and Joe Biden um, constantly and continually professes to be a, a deeply strong, believing Catholic, a devout Catholic. And, uh, and, and many, many, many Protestants um, who are uh, on target in, 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 the, in the moral sense are are still going to, um, they're still going to say, I, I'm, I'm standing on, on the Bible and maybe my, my pro-life stance, I, I find it in the Bible somewhere, but um, it, th th there's so many others in the church and other churches that read the same Bible that come up with a different answer to that question are, 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 um, we just got to agree to disagree, right? We're both reading the same Bible, and so and there is no there is no um, magisterial teaching 
on it. And unfortunately, just me speaking like this makes me think um, that there are many in the church who would say, well, stop being so rigid. Stop being such a moralist. Religion is not about morals like that. Um, just accept people as they are. And of course, you do have to accept people as they are, but you don't want to let them stay that way if they're going the wrong direction and if they've embraced the a, a sinful part of their life, right? Okay, I think I think we got to do one more break, right, Nick? I think I forgot this last one. Let's do this one, and I'll try to see if I can um, bring in a little G.K. Chesterton to help uh, in some ways or another, okay? I'm Father Tom Coy's guest host on The Winds of Change. You are listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI, 88.5 FM and AM 750 WNDZ. Sometimes it's tough to hear winds of change over the air. What with tall buildings, power lines, and other static. Now you can hear winds of change anywhere, anytime, or on any device. When Winds of Change is on the air Monday through Friday, noon to 1, go to ststandschurch.org. Scroll down to the Winds of Change tile and click on the Listen Live button or visit Winds of Change Facebook page to see the Listen Live I'm Father Tom Coyes, Winds of Change guest host, and you are listening to the Winds of Change. Here's some good news. We are pleased to announce that St. Stanislaus Koska is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week in answer to our Blessed Mother's call to open the doors. The Blessed Sacrament will again be exposed all day, every day, except when Masses or other services are being held. You are invited to come and pray anytime, day or night. For your safety, we ask that you practice social distancing and wear a mask. Hand sanitizer is available and St. Stan's has increased cleaning and sanitizing of the church, and a security person will be on site. More information can be found at ststandschurch.org. That's ststandschurch.org. St. Stanislaus Koska is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Hey, welcome back. Well, with a few minutes we have left here, I'm going to see if I can bring Chesterton to give us uh, some uh, solution to the problem uh, initiated by this um, a program for Catholics to help them discern the Spirit, um, especially when um, there, there is... i got to think of the right way to say it, because I don't want to say too much emphasis on Scripture, um, because you could dive into Scripture and spend your whole life reading scripture and get what you need and the Holy Spirit does work through there. But any any effort in the church or in our own personal lives that um, uh, says use scripture, use scripture, but don't worry about, don't emphasize doctrines, don't emphasize heresies, don't emphasize moral teachings. And that's, that has been the mark of a lot of our evangelization processes, all these programs way back when, when I was even a seminarian back in the 70s, <laughs> 80s, um, there was a program called Renew. There's, um, we go through, um, there's the Alpha Today, there's all sorts of programs for trying to get people back into church. And one of the common themes that I've noticed in many of them is that the facilitators who are trying to train the people say things like, um, well, make sure you tell the people there's no right or wrong answers. Make sure you don't start um, arguing about doctrine. Uh, don't be trying to explain what's right or wrong. Um, there's that element of relativism. And you could see how that does scare the neophyte or the person you want to get back into church, it does scare them away, but um, there's different ways of approaching that. You know, you, you take it slow, shall we say, or you open their heart in, in um, helping them to see something and move to another something that's more difficult. I 
on our on our bus trip to Washington D.C. to go to the March for Life, we watched a powerful uh, video called "180." Um, guy turning. If you turn around 180 degrees, you know you're going one right direction and you going completely the other direction. It was a guy who was talking to um, uh, people on the beach with their blue hair and uh, nose earrings and tattoos up the uh, arm and legs and all the rest and saying, do you, do you believe in the right to abortion? Oh, yes, of course. But then he started talking about the um, uh, Holocaust and the, the right to, for the Nazis to have killed people. And, no, 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 and he does I don't believe in that, et cetera. And he led them to accept or to see the wrongness of abortion because of their ability to see the wrongness of the Holocaust, et cetera. So that's kind of what my book does with um, uh, slavery, right? Many of you know, or if you listen to Winds of Change, I've, hey, by the way, you can get my book on Audible now. You can go, if you like listening to books uh, in the car, um, go to Audible and download uh, the ashes that still remain. It's um, I, it's, it's uh, recorded by the author, so you could uh, go through that book in about five hours or something, whatever it is. Okay, sorry about that. Now, um, G.K. Chesterton, when he converted, obviously by being a, a Anglican Protestant Anglican in England, it was very challenging, very difficult for him to become Catholic. But he did, and he's trying to explain what the church is, this is the answer to the problem that I'm raising with the discernment program, as it were. Without the church, without ecclesiology, you can't do discernment well. So you we have to have a, a different appreciation of what the church is. And this is how G.K. Chesterton wrote a book called The Catholic Church and Conversion, mostly about his conversion. There's a chapter called The World Inside Out, uh, where for him, the, the world turned inside out. At, at first, when I read the chapter, I was thinking that his phrase inside out is kind of like what we mean by when we say the world is upside down now. But that's not really what he's driving at. When we say the world is upside down, we kind of think, well, what used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. But he indicates through um, a kind of an analogy, a vision, a dream that he had. He says when he was young, he kind of thought that the world um, had all these different denominations. And if you can imagine you're walking through a grand palace with a dome over all the different displays. We lived in a scientific age and... It was good to see the invention of the light bulb over here, the invention of the car over there, and also there were dozens of displays of different religions, and you'd walk past them, and you'd you say, mm, okay, good enough. Um, but uh, he, he would come to, as a boy, as a Protestant, he imagined in his dream, um, here stood all the religions in a row, the churches, or sects, or whatever you call them. We call them denominations. And towards the end of the row, there was a particularly dingy and dismal one with a pointed roof, half-fallen in, and pointed windows, most broken with stones by passerbys. We were told that this particular exhibit was the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> but then he discovers it's not that the Roman Catholic Church was one of the denominations among all the rest, but it was the overarching church which produced in some ways the denominations. So we'll have to get back to this of course on another day. Thank you for listening. I am Father Tom Coys, guest host on The Winds of Change and you've been listening to the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI 88.5 FM, 88 FM and, and WNDZ AM 750. God love you.